This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. How are you? Adjusted to the new time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Hey, welcome to church. My name is Ron. For those of you who are brand new, uh, I'm the founding pastor of our church. And it's my privilege over the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes to teach us out of God's Word some really important stuff. And uh, boy, as I was praying in preparation for our church service today, I was just reminded that every Sunday there are a handful of people that this day will change their life forever. And you might be one of those people. Um, I know that it's not predictable, I know that one of the guys in the first service came out and said to me, Pastor, you're so right about that. He said, I remember the first Sunday I came. It was like two months ago. And a friend of mine had been inviting me and inviting me and telling me, you want to come to church with me? This is a church people love to go to. And he said, I looked at him like, yeah, what are you smoking? That, the, those things just don't go together. And, and, uh, and he said, I came that first Sunday. And he said, I'd never, ever encountered God like that. And he goes, you know something? I haven't missed a Sunday since. He said, my life changed forever. That Sunday. So I just want to say to you, this could, this could be a Sunday that changes your life forever. But I also want to say to all of the rest of us that every Sunday, our lives do change. Maybe not that radically because I'm pretty sure if our lives changed that radically every Sunday, we'd all need emotional help, wouldn't we? At some point, we couldn't handle that. But the great thing is, we never come and just snooze through church because we always learn something that sinks down into the fiber of who we are and it, be, and it begins or continues to redefine how we look at ourselves and how we look at God and how we look at different aspects of Christianity. So I just want to invite all of us in on that process. And for those of you who are brand new, uh, a very special welcome goes to you because you've taken a risk this morning to, to come to a crowd of people where you weren't sure how many of them you were going to know or if we were going to give you the playbook about when to stand up or sit down or what to do or what to say. And uh, my prayer is that you can just relax and be at home here. Because this, this is a home for all of us who come here regularly. And I hope that you find it to be exactly like that for you. Let me introduce you, if you're brand new, to a couple of things uh, that will help you. Because they're tools we use every Sunday here. And we all use them. They're not just for those who are new. And the first is this sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes that will guide you through uh, what I'm going to be teaching. It's got the scriptures on there that we're going to be referring to and the main principles that I'm going to be teaching us this morning. And the second is this long, skinny card. It, it, it's actually one of the most important things that happens in our church because it gives everyone who comes the opportunity to communicate directly with our pastoral staff. We care about what's going on in your life. If there's something you want us to pray about, you can put it on the back. We'll be happy to join you in prayer about that. If you want to sign up for something that's going on in our church, there are places to sign up for that. If you, if you want information about uh, some ministry that our church offers, there's a place for that. But it all begins by putting your name and, and at least your email address on the front so that 
we get that card, we know who to contact uh, in order to get that information or who we're praying about. So if you put your name and in, in contact info on that, set it aside, we'll be collecting those at the end. Pastor Kevin will guide you through that process at the end of our church service. Now we're talking about something that probably you never thought that you would ever come to church and hear. We're, we're actually taking a picture from a bar, all right? And uh, when you go into a bar, all the really good and expensive stuff is all on the top shelf behind the bartender. And there are three things that it's earmarked usually for. Number one, it's for special occasions. Uh, number two, it's available only to a, a select few because it's, it's costly. And number three, this is the really, really good stuff. Well, guess what? We have a tendency sometimes to treat so much of church and Christianity with that sort of top-shelf thinking. And so the title of our, our sermon series is Top Shelf Jesus. Not that we want to leave him on the top shelf, but the fact that we want to take Jesus off the top shelf. And, and, and actually, we didn't have to do that. Justin did such a great job of reminding us this morning that this is Palm Sunday. For those of you who aren't familiar with the history of what goes on inside Christianity, um, the last week of Jesus' life on this earth, the week before he was going to be crucified, many churches call Holy Week. And it started on that Sunday. Jesus was crucified on the Friday, and then he rose from the dead on the following Sunday. That's why it's called Holy Week. Well, it launched with Jesus riding into Jerusalem and the people treating him as a king. And they were singing and they were waving palm branches and they were, they were shouting and, and, and it was quite the party because when you welcome the king to the temple, it's a big, big deal. But the next week that you've had a, a, a sort of a huge emotional swing, I want you to jump in Jesus' skin because on Sunday, they're treating him as the king and on Friday, they're crucifying him. That was a big mood swing, you think? Huge one, yeah. That was tough. Well, today we celebrate that, that, that coming into the city. But as I was praying about our time together, I realized Jesus was on the top shelf in heaven. You don't get any more special occasion reserved for a select few. Uh, you, you don't get any more available only to a certain group of people than heaven. And Jesus could have stayed in heaven. I think it would have been much easier for him. And he could have reached down and picked us up one at a time, whoever he wanted. He could have selected the ones he wanted and brought us up to the top shelf. But that's not how Jesus operates. Jesus literally got down off of the top shelf and he came down to live with us. And not just a select few, he made his promises available to everyone. Because when Jesus came off of the top shelf, he brought with him everything that's important in life and made it available to every one of us. And that's really the nature of this top shelf teaching series. Today we're going to wrap up the series with a topic that I know intrigues many of us, and if you've been a Christian a long time, you've probably felt more than your share of guilt about this subject. 
You've probably been curious about this subject. And the amazing thing that I find is when I talk with people who are not yet followers of Christ, they, they still sort of attempt this. We're going to talk about prayer and how to take prayer off of the top shelf and put it down where we can all get to it, where it's not that untapped resource that we go to only on special occasions or we go look up a pastor or a priest or a rector or a bishop or whoever we can find with one of those titles. You know what I'm talking about? And we say to them, hey, would you pray for me? And not meaning to throw anybody under the bus, but there are oftentimes when different ones of you will come to me and say, I really need some special prayer on this subject, on this thing that's happening in my life. And I figure you sort of have the inside route. Okay? Let's talk about that. It's going to be a simple outline. We're going to talk about the disciples on prayer because they have the same mindset that you and I tend to have. And then we're going to do Jesus on prayer and he's going to debunk that mindset. Are you up for that? All right, here we go. Here's the disciples on prayer. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Simple request. A great request, but underlying that request are three assumptions that are part of that top shelf thinking. And so let's go take a look at that before we look at Jesus' response. Number one, this disciple who spoke on behalf of all of the disciples when he said, teach us to pray, this disciple believed that prayer was a religious activity done to bring God's favor. This is where the guilt comes in. When you and I don't feel like we've been religious enough and we haven't actually prayed as much as we should pray and, and, and we feel sort of less worthy and there's all sorts of things that go into that. Well, this disciple was watching Jesus pray and realized that as Jesus prayed, there was something happening there that did not happen when he prayed. And he assumed, I don't know how to do that. I'm not religious enough, or I don't know the right words, or I don't know how to form the sentences well enough. Okay, Jesus, would you teach me how to pray? The second assumption that that, that disciple had was, prayer is primarily a means of making requests to God. That the whole idea behind prayer was asking, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about asking a little bit later in the message, but I just want to say this at this point, okay? I know that virtually every cake in the world, other than a handful, most cakes in the world have flour in them. But if I invite you to my house and I serve you a cake and the only thing it has in it is flour, are you on board with that? No, that is not going to be enjoyable. That is not going to taste good. And friends, when you and I take the multifaceted thing of prayer and try to reduce it to a series of requests. We have emptied it of everything that's really enjoyable about it. And we're left with a flower prayer. It's just not fun, okay? The third thing that this disciple uh, assumed is that prayer was an art form or a skill that needs to be practiced and perfected. Sometimes people will say to me or say to Pastor Kevin, they will say, you know, you guys 
say such great prayers. As if somehow we had scripted that. And that I sat up in my office and I wrote out the prayer and then I edited it and then I, and then I went back and said, no, I don't really want to say that. Actually, oh, here's a way better word to put in there than that and so forth. And I can sit down and then I can just come out with this sort of flowery, beautiful prayer. That's what this disciple thought. That prayer was an art form or a skill that you had to develop and then you had to practice it and perfected, and therefore, the better and more skilled you are at praying, the more that God will favor that prayer and answer it. So he came to Jesus and said, hey, I want to be successful in that arena. Would you teach me how to do that so I can be a successful prayer? Now, Jesus' response was nothing about anywhere close to what he thought it was going to be. So let's take a look at Jesus' response because this is Jesus on prayer. Jesus said, this is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Almost every time that Jesus taught about prayer, he took it off of the top shelf and he put it straight into the family setting. And so the first two words that Jesus taught them to pray was our Father, not my Father. Not, oh, great and wise and powerful, omniscient God. Our Father. It was the beginning of what many call the Our Father prayer, what others call the Lord's Prayer. And, and, if, and if we took the time to go through that prayer, we would find some really interesting things. But, but I want to start out by us understanding that Jesus said, if you want to understand prayer correctly, and if you want to be successful in prayer, you have to take prayer off of the top shelf, something that religious people do, something that only a select few can do well, not something for special occasions, and you have to take it down and put it in the family setting because it begins with understanding that you're talking to your dad, our father. Another time that Jesus thought on prayer, here's what he said, you parents, see once again, talking about prayer, puts it right in the family setting. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? We're going to come back to this in a little bit. That would not be kind, correct? Here, kid, go chew on this rock and pretend it's a dinner roll. No, that's not going to work. He says, or if, you ask, if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So Jesus said, if you, who are sinful people and you struggle to be good, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Here's the big idea that Jesus gave to that disciple, and I think it's the big idea he would want to give to us. And that is, prayer is an unscripted conversation between children and their father. It's not a speech that you make to God. If I could put it in super, super simple terms, if we want to learn how to be effective in prayer, we have to quit praying to God 
and start talking with God. On board? Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. It's an unscripted conversation between children and their father. So the question that I have is who is it that teaches children how to talk to their parents? Well, you know, it's something they learn on their own. Did you know that long before children can actually talk, they have a deep desire to communicate with their parents? If you've been privileged to be the parent of a small child, you have held your small child in your hands. And they're just two, three, four months old. They can't say anything yet. But they look at you and their eyes light up and they start blowing spit bubbles. <laughs> right? Because that's all they know how to do. You, my friend, are having a conversation with your child. There's not one of you that says, put that spit back and talk to me when you learn some words. No. It's an unscripted conversation between a child and their parent. That was the big idea that Jesus brought. It was revolutionary. No other religion would ever dare to teach that. You went to pastor school and preschool and who knows whatever kind of school in order to lead in prayer. And you taught people, bring your prayer request to me and I will pray to God for you. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, that's not how we do it. That was never in God's heart. God has a heart to just talk with his kids. Because no one has to teach a child to talk to their parents. You may have to teach them how to not talk to their parents. Okay? But you don't have to teach them to talk or even how to talk. So then the big idea was, what if we took what you and I all know already about the parent-child relationship and we just applied it to prayer like Jesus did? How would that change how we looked at prayer? How would that change how we pray? So let's take seven principles of parent-child relationships that we all know and let's just begin to apply them to prayer and I think we'll end up praying like Jesus did, okay? So the first principle is this. Parent-child relationships are built through countless informal conversations. You know, when your kid walks in the room and says, you know, Mom, I was wondering, you never know what's going to come after that, right? But that's an unscripted, informal conversation. And if you counted the number of those in, a, in the 20 years that a child is in your home, I, I mean, it would be a huge number. Your child does not walk into the kitchen and say, Oh, most wonderful mother. I had a thought the other day that I want to discuss with you. But that's how we think God wants it. O most holy and righteous Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. 
I think sometimes God just goes, oh, cut the crap. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just be real with me. If you want to draw close to God, I've had so much fun with this this week because once God settled this in my mind, I've just had fun having these unscripted, informal conversations with God many times during the day. And it's just been amazing how I just feel drawn to God. Because parent-child relationships are built through these unscripted, informal conversations. I have a challenge about that a little bit later. Number two, parent-child conversations are 50% talking and 50% listening. You know, when God first downloaded that to me, I started to laugh. Because I know that there are parents sitting in this room who would love it if it was actually that way. You would love to have your children listen to you 50% of the time, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think sometimes our Heavenly Father feels exactly like but here's the deal. Just like in real life, it's far easier to learn how to talk than it is to learn how to listen. Have you noticed? Yeah. That's also true in prayer. It's a lot easier to learn how to talk to God than to converse with him where you listen. You go, Pastor, how do you listen to a God you can't hear? Okay? I'm glad you asked. If you have a life group, you're actually going to be perusing that question in your life group. But here's what, I want to give you a little hint, okay? My parents used to say, if your mouth is running, what about your ears? They're not, right? Because you can't talk and listen at the same time. It, that's also true in prayer. So if you want to listen to God, you actually have to stop talking. And you know something? Here's the amazing thing about God. He's your parent. He will sit with you on any subject. And if you're willing to sit with him and you're willing to actually listen, he will begin to download things and you'll know it's from him. I don't hear audible voices. God never writes it in the clouds. But you know, as I sat with God on this teaching, I sat five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, had all these random thoughts, and then God downloaded the big idea. Yeah. That's not a skill, it's a chosen behavior. Everybody on board with that? Yeah. You don't have to have any pastoral training. You don't have to have any theological training. All you have to do is decide that when I have an informal conversation with God, I'm actually going to listen. And I'll carve out time to listen. Because in a parent-child conversation where it's all talking one way, is that a conversation? No. By the way, if you were to take Jesus' model prayer, it has basically eight statements in it. Four of them are asking, and four of them are declarative, 
or their principles that Jesus had received, downloaded from his heavenly father that he was just parent, uh, repeating and, and going back to him. It's not all asking. It's 50-50. Now, principle number three. Parent-child relationships are enriched through trivial conversations. I know that sounds crazy. We tend intuitively to think that the depth of a relationship is measured by how big a thing you can talk about, but it's actually 100% the opposite of that. If somehow I could get through the White House today and President Obama answered the phone and I said to him, Mr. President, this is Pastor Ron from Petaluma. Well, Pastor Ron, what's on your mind? Do you ever fight a slice in your golf game? I'm guaranteeing there would be a long pause on the other end saying, you have no right to ask me that question. You know why? Because I don't know the president personally. But I can guarantee you, if the vice president or any of the cabinet members were to pick up the phone and call President Obama and say, hey, bro, you ever fight a slice in your golf game? I'm having a terrible time with that. He would go, yeah, actually, I have. Or, no, I haven't. But he would be totally comfortable having that conversation because you actually measure the depth of a, con of a, of a relationship and you measure the closeness of a conversation by how trivial a thing you can talk about together. I think God loves it. When we walk in and go, hey, you know, I noticed the other day. You know, you might say to your dad or your mom, have you ever noticed? That seems a little silly to say that to God, right? Have you ever noticed? Of course I've noticed. <laughs> so you say, hey, I was noticing the other day. And you just, Lay something out. It's amazing how God listens. When I was a kid, we used to go to Portland, Oregon. I, I was born and raised in Iowa, where it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity in the summertime, and there are bugs everywhere, and it's just hot and humid, and in the wintertime it gets 30 below zero, and you would think it would freeze all those bugs, but somehow it doesn't, all right? So... You know, uh, Iowa was a great place to be born and raised, and the corn grows, and there's all sorts of other stuff. But every June or July, because my grandparents lived in Oregon, and my dad promised my mother when they got married that he would take her to see her parents every year for, for as long as, as they were married. And so every year, we jumped in a car in late June, June or early July, and we headed off to Portland. Now, if you know anything about Portland, Oregon, uh, it rains all winter, Right? But in the spring and early summer, everything that you can imagine is in full bloom, and it's just green like you can't imagine, and the mountains are covered with beautiful snow. That was my picture of Portland, Oregon. I thought it was like that all the time, right? So as a kid, I remember thinking and praying to God, man, I'd like to live here. I was just a kid. It was just a wish. Wouldn't you know it, I'm 24 years old, graduated from Bible college, and I'm looking for a church who wants a rookie. And the call I get 
into a church in Portland, Oregon. God heard me. Yeah. That's how he is. He's tender. I'll come back to that in a minute. Is that trivial, friends? Didn't turn out to be trivial, but I thought it was. Number four. Parent-child relationships are tested through scripted, formal conversations. By the way, if you ever have a conversation that you are scripting ahead of time and you're rehearsing it in your mind, that, my friends, is a high-risk conversation, correct? That's not something you're building a relationship with. That's something you're testing a relationship with. And by the way, when you and I have this intuitive thing that we need to script and formalize our prayers, do you realize what we're saying to our subconscious? Every time we pray, our relationship with God is on the line. That's not fun. There's only one, rela- there's only one conversation you ever have in your life that you script, probably, that's any fun. And it still has a little risk to it, and that's when you propose. You probably scripted that one. And you were hoping you got a good answer. Yeah, right. So when we want to build this relationship with God, we've got to back out of the scripting and the formalizing. We have to recognize that, that that teaches us all the wrong things about God, about us, about our relationship with God. Principle number five. Asking comes with the territory of being a child. I can tell you this, having raised three children, having five grandchildren, um, and our children are now in their late 30s, early 40s, I can tell you this, that when your child, long before your child can talk, you go to the grocery store, you put that kid in, in the cart, they start grunting and making all sorts of noises and pointing at things that they want, correct? Yep. I can tell you when they're home on break from college, it does not quit. (laughs) The truth is, we actually never grow out of that. And and in a way, I'm glad we don't. Because every time we ask, we are reaffirming to God that we recognize we're his kids. And that leads to principle number six. Parents actually love to be asked. And contrary to what you might have thought when you were in your early to mid-teens, parents actually like to say yes. And our Heavenly Father is exactly the same. His preferred answer is yes. And that's why when I was just a little kid and dreaming about someday living in Portland, Oregon, God's answer was, Because parents love to be asked. And they love to say yes. Which is why when we get to the asking part of prayer, sometimes we think, I only want to bother God with the big stuff. Can I let you in on a secret? When I took my kids to the store and they only asked for something that was under a buck, I was going... Yeah. You know, parents like it when kids ask for little things, too. That's the deal. 
And when we get used to having these conversations with God, and there's, there's listening, and there's talking, and there's receiving, and there's giving, and there's this natural flow that should happen between children and their parents, when we encounter the big stuff, we now have the relationship in place to be able to talk to our Heavenly Father about the big stuff because we've been talking to him anyway. And even in the big stuff, we'll find that we will not restrict him because we don't think we have to be. Principle number seven. And in some ways, this is my favorite one. Nobody has more pull with parents than their children. I can tell you this. It doesn't make any difference what project I'm working on. It doesn't make any difference what meeting I'm in or how many other people are in that meeting. It makes no difference to me if my office door is closed, if there's a knock on the door, and somebody says to me, it's your daughter or your son, I will get up out of that meeting and go out there and that son or that daughter will have my full attention. I don't care who I'm in the meeting with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because those are my kids. That's why when Jesus said, let's get prayer down off of the top shelf and let's put it down in the family setting, it's so empowering for you and me because God says, anytime you knock on my door. It doesn't make any difference what I'm working on. I'm yours. Anywhere, anytime, and are you ready for this? Anybody. Here's the truth. You are God's child. I'm God's child. I have no more pull with God than you do. If there's a knock on my door, we have three children, Anthony, Lisa, and Angela. If there's a knock on the door and somebody says it's Angela, there's not one single thought in my mind that goes, oh, well, if it was Anthony, I'd go answer. <laughs> no, no. It doesn't make any difference. None of my children have any more pull with me than any of my other children. They're just my kids. There is one thing, however, that would trump Angela being at my door and asking for my attention. You know what it is? If Angela and Lisa came, and there's two of them, you know what would trump that? if Angela, Lisa, and Anthony were all at the door. Hey, Dad, can we talk to you about something? Did you know that's why Jesus taught this principle? He said, if two or three of you agree on anything in prayer, you get a special audience with me. It's not you and the pastor. It's you and another child of God. That's how it works. 
Am I happy to pray with you? Yes. Please keep asking me to pray with you, all right? I love doing that. But I don't love doing that because I have any inside track. I have no more pull with God than you do. But you know something? When we show up together, it's two kids, not just one. Are we on board with that? That makes sense? Yeah. Now, I know, I didn't teach you anything that tested your mental ability today. Didn't haul out any deep Greek or Hebrew words or any of that stuff. But you know something? I hope that in the process of this teaching, you came to understand exactly what Jesus meant when this guy came and said, teach us how to be skillful in this thing of prayer. And Jesus said, no skill needed here. Here's how you do it. Our Father. There's two ways for us to apply this. First one is this. To enter into a first-time relationship with God. Did you know you were created to be God's child, but he never forces that on you? That is an opportunity he makes available to you, and you, my friends, have to make that choice. And that's one of the great things about church. We get to offer that choice all the time. And every Sunday at New Life, we offer that choice. So God could be working in your heart long before this service time. Or maybe he's really worked in your heart as we've talked about prayer. And you go, I want that kind of a relationship with God. I didn't even know I could have that. Well, that's the invitation that God gives you. So if that's where you are, check that on the back side of your connect card. Just check. I'm entering into a first-time relationship with God. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. And then as you leave, at our guest services kiosk, there, there's a place right there where you can pick up a packet for new believers. Pick up the packet, write your name and your contact information on it. I want to pray for you this week. As you get started, there's some really valuable resources in there. There's a quick start guide that actually helps you get started in building that relationship with God in some really wonderful ways. And, and there's, a, there's a book there that contains the story of the life of Jesus from the words of Scripture. And, and the first thing that we want you to do is we want you to fall in love with Jesus. We want you to come to understand how absolutely wonderful he is. So you can pick that up on the way out. The second thing is the experiment that I, I want to challenge all of us to try. And that is that, that we would sign up and say, okay, I, I'm going to have at least one informal conversation with my Father, my Heavenly Father, every day this week. Unscripted means you're not there. You don't have to put time or thought into it ahead of time. You don't have to crank up your courage. You don't have to script it and think, oh man, what am I going to say? You're just going to have a conversation with God. And you're going to talk to him about something that's going on. You're not there to pray for somebody. You're not there to pray about something. You're not there to ask for something. It's an unscripted, informal conversation between you and God. And my prayer is that, you, that that begins to form in you this attitude of, wow, that was refreshing. I could do that more often. That would be a lot of fun. So if you're up for that, you can sign up for that too, and I'll pray for you this week. Now, let me lead you in prayer. 
those of you who are making the decision to enter that first-time relationship with God, here's, it's a simple prayer. You can repeat it right where you are. You can say it either quietly or you can say it in your spirit, but say it to God, okay, because he's listening. Here's the prayer, and let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, thank you for choosing to relate to me as my father. Today I choose to become your child. Today I choose to talk with you and actually to walk with you through this life. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. I pray in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.